Welcome, everybody, to the Cult of Dave Podcast Network. A new chapter this morning Mr. in the battle against Ebola. It's called the Tide by Pod Challenge. Nickelback are back. The multi-platinum band has just announced a new album and a North American solo. And welcome to this episode of the Something Good For You podcast, where the two of us sift through the bullshit to try to find a little something good to give you each and every single week. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Alex Stiff, and across from me, no longer in a comfy beanbag chair. No, nah, man, it's behind me now. <laughs> we don't need that shit no more. This is Cap Nun. As my partner in crime, Cap Nun, yes. Uh, as of this morning, we actually have a full setup if you look at our Facebook uh, we're actually trying to get professional with this. We'll see how far that goes. <laughs> yeah, man. And, and in the process of getting this table this morning, quick side story. Um, your tire. You oh, want to yeah. talk about your tire real quick? Oh, do we have to bring this up? Like, we have to bring this up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I got to get my tire replaced and everything. So what happened was I decided to go put some air in the tire just, just to get around the next couple of days before mm-hmm. I have to go get it seen about this week. And I just pull up to the first thing with... <coughs> The first appliance that I, with a credit card machine on it that I can use. I didn't look to see what it was at first before I stuck the card in there. It was, and it turned out to be the vacuum. The vacuum. Machine. I was like, God So instead of it. taking the moment to go, well, hell, I need to vacuum anyway, you go, fuck, and you just move forward. And I'm just like, well, take the two seconds to vacuum. You're like, well, I probably need to anyway, but I ain't worried about it. I gotta get my tire fixed. <laughs> it was pretty, it was, it was getting there, man. Priorities. <laughs> so that's at least how our morning started, getting all this gear it's set up. So I hope. It was raining and everything everything too i didn't want to be out for too long so i hope this actually makes a difference <laughs> yeah so in addition to all that uh one other thing i wanted to bring up uh we have a brand new hotline voicemail that means yes, you can indeed. call us and bitch about us instead of sending us messages or if you got something good to share with us you can always call in that way and the phone number to reach that is 513-463-SGFY or 7439 again that's 513-673-7439 Leaves a voicemail and just remember, if you leave us a voicemail, we'll probably use it on the yeah. show. So think long and hard about what you want to say. We just may share it. We own the rights to use that voicemail if you leave it on my messaging machine. So make it good and make it count. On that note, we do have another special guest with us, and this guy actually does need a proper introduction. You instead of just notes. instead of just going, you know, oh well, you know, longtime friend. No, this guy has been in the background of my life since birth, and as the years have gone on, have been even more indebted in my life. And I really wanted to have him on, so for the fact that we've been able to get some of these kinks worked out early enough, it's really appreciative to have right. the long-haired weirdo himself, Mr. Jeff Clayton. Yes, hey, sir. fellas, how you doing? <laughs> Respect. It is awesome to have you here, and for some reason, I'm actually nervous having you here, even though we talk weekly. <laughs> we hang out on the couch. For some reason, I'm sitting here going, ah, da 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 <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't know why. <laughs> just a little I know it's me. my house and it's you. So it's your house. <laughs> I'm not nervous at all. <laughs> nah, um, 
I don't know. I guess the same thing of like uh, playing your first show in front of you. Like me playing my first fill-in show. Mm. It's like, even though I'm comfortable on stage, I'm comfortable doing this. Is like, because you've been such an important part of my life, still get a little nervous being like, ooh, it's the first time doing it in front of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we start uh, going into all our topics, this episode is brought to you by Repo Record down on Commonwealth Avenue. Check them out at Repo Record on social media and RepoRecord.com. The show is also brought to us by our Hate Energy, our energy drink. And right on the can, it has a little hashtag that says, what do you hate? And of course, we like to ask that of our guests here. And knowing you, <laughs> you probably just had to like throw a dart at a dartboard and go, well, I'm, I'm choosing that. <laughs> so, well, I, I had prepared a small mental list. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeff Clayton of Antiscene, mm. what do you hate? You know, uh, those scenes in modern movies where the action is going real fast and all of a sudden it stops and slows down mm -hmm. so the bullet can go by somebody the and, Matrix then, effect. and then zips uh. back up again. I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what else I hate? I hate the packaging around uh, printer cartridges. It's ridiculous. <laughs> all right, which part? Those are pretty annoying. Why does there got to be that much packaging for a printer cartridge? That's why they cost so damn much, because there's like $15 worth of cardboard around the son of a bitch. He's not wrong, though. I deal with that all the time at work, too, when our printer goes ape shit and everything, too, with its cartridges. Really? Uh-huh. I, I guess I'm just ignorant on it, because the ones we use at work, all we have is, like, the single piece of cardboard, and then you have the plastic wrap that's on it, kind of like uh, chips, like a chip bag, almost. No. And then you've got the one little strip on on the uh, actual cartridge that you know keeps the actual ink. I just in. don't like a bunch of steps. <laughs> right. You know, especially for something that small. God, money. And then yeah, I hate um, I hate anything that has a password. <laughs> <laughs> especially when you have to change it every month or so. I hate anything that has to. <laughs> Download, upload, Wi-Fi, uh, any of those terms that I don't understand, I hate them all. It's not like the show requires any of that either. I have to say, you I are... like the show, but I, I hate all the things it takes to make it happen. Which is the reason I didn't even want to start this to begin with. He, he bought all the equipment, was like, I'm doing it with Steve. And then Steve right. got busy, and I'm like, shit, I started having fun. I guess I'll do it now. I'm like the producer of a TV show. I provide the funds for it. You do the rest. <laughs> and I have to say, so far, that has to be the best hate energy segment we've had so far <laughs> oh i got a million of them but i'm sure the show's got a time limit <laughs> not to our new sd card though we've got a bunch I hate of upgrades. sd cards too <laughs> oh i do too i work with them every day <laughs> oh i was hating them too because uh, due to that we lost our halloween episode yep you want to tell you something else i hate what <laughs> people that don't hate stuff <laughs> <laughs> Because you a lying motherfucker. <laughs> if you don't. <laughs> well, usually uh, we start rounding off a segment where I jot down some thoughts that I've been thinking to myself and we kind of roll through that. Well, this week I work retail and a partial Yikes. customer service. And with it being Black Friday and Cyber Monday, the only thing I've been thinking about is how much I hate customers. Mm. So we've already gone through that bullshit. So I think this week, Captain Nunn is going to oh, take Lord. over and give us a little something that's been on his mind. So let's see if Cap should have kept these thoughts to himself. Oh, 
blah, 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 etc. Making my ears a ring. My honey, my baby, please don't open your mouth. Don't tell me no lies and keep your thoughts to yourself. I saw a video making rounds the other day of an event that happened three years ago. It was the uh, Ride for Dime thing that happened uh, with Phil Anselmo, Dave Grohl, uh, Dave Lombardo, and somebody oh, no, else. Robert Trujillo. Robert, uh, Robert Trujillo on bass. They were yeah. playing. Uh, this was It was the event where Phil Anselmo got in trouble. <laughs> but everybody's sharing it like it's the new super group that's coming out right now. Right, right. I'm like, guys, this happened three years ago, and y'all were bitching about it when it happened when uh, he was doing his thing that he got in trouble for. Mm-hmm. And not only that, I saw the article for Malcolm Young's death going around like it was brand new, too. Like yeah, like he I, just I had died. to even share that back from our page going, yeah, we, we were very sad about the passing of Malcolm, but we were sad about it last year yeah. when it actually happened. <laughs> why, why is this being shared with new sad faces acting like this is new information? Yeah, and that's just been a recurring thing that I thought was just really weird. So I'm, I Yeah, that is, that is like odd. That it's like, especially, I don't know, can you blame, is it? a symptom of so many people had been passing in the past few years that they wind up being forgotten. I mean, is that just such a horrible thing to think is, you know, when those time hop things come up and people reshare those articles, a lot of times, a lot of times people are grabbing them and taking them as if they're new information and sharing them. Very well could be. I mean, I, I see that too. And I'm, and I'm always going, well, you know, with, with uh, Malcolm, it's obvious that happened a year ago. Right. But, uh, some of them, Will pop up again and uh you know and i'm wondering oh, man did, did that just happen i have to go look it up because right. I, I don't remember yeah and i do find it and there's sometimes articles that will wind up being shared from like 2014 and 15 as if it's new stuff and mm. and it'll even sometimes catch me off guard i'm like why is this a thing i remember this being a thing forever ago and then you and then when you actually click it and read it and that's the big issue is people are actually reading these articles they see the headline and they'll share yep. the headline. Mm-hmm. They're not actually reading what's actually in the article. Not yeah. looking at the dates or anything like that either. They're not looking at the dates. or They're not even reading the th- damn thing. I remember our, I, there was one specific one I shared from a few years back. It had some nice sensational headline that anyone would have hit. It wasn't even political, but it was just something really good and sensational. And halfway through the article, it said, if you've gotten this far, I want to let you know that everything you just read above <laughs> is fake. Yeah. And, and continued a new, and it was, at, and then the actual piece was about people not actually reading articles. Mm. And, and it was sectioned off in different ways going, 50% of people have stopped reading by this point in a typical article of the same size. Yada, 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 blah, 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 blah. Only 10% of our readers actually finished the uh, article down to this point that you're reading here. And, you know, and we'll continually give better information as it goes down the more you actually read the article. Yeah. And legit websites will do that all the, every now and then, too. I used to follow ultimateguitar.com on a regular basis, but they would be real bad about that every now and then. And that was when they were kind of following the trend of everybody else and just po- posting just anything clickbaity, uh, just gotcha journalism with bias, uh, with a, a lot of people in the music industry that draw a lot of bias criticism and stuff like that too. So they got real bad about that and kept tripping over themselves. So I wonder if it's just something that just happens with all media outlets now too. I'm honestly surprised clickbait still works. Because so many people, you know, are rebelling against that sort of thing. It's like so. It seems like 
clickbait wouldn't work anymore and people would actually go against that sort of that's, that's why sensational I said I music covers like, expect, like you see all the new kiss news coming out <laughs> all these clickbait articles where it's just like no that's not really what paul or ace said it's like they, they kind of hinted to something you're taking a tiny comment of ace going well they haven't asked me to be part of the tour you're taking that as they've rejected ace from being from it's like no that just means he wasn't asked he wasn't asked to do that acoustic performance i was showing you a few weeks ago mm-hmm. he wasn't asked to do that until an hour before it happened hmm. so it's like he's not involved still, in these fucking conversations <laughs> no. anything can happen it still baffles the hell out of me that they didn't even try to rehearse for that no not one attempt at all Clayton what are your thoughts on this whole kiss uh, end of the world yeah actually because I know you're a curious. fan well when was the last uh, end of the road tour? <laughs> the, the first farewell kind of lasted from 2000 to 2001. And then in uh, 22, they went, well, 2002, rather, they went to uh, Japan. And that was with Eric Singer on drums. Well, I I, I remember taking, taking Carrie to see the last, what was supposed to be the last time they would ever be in Charlotte. Right. And we were standing uh, on the balcony getting ready to go through the doors and we stood there to watch the grand finale mm-hmm. you know the confetti flying yeah. that right. guitar smashing and all that stuff you know and i had my hand on her shoulder and i was just getting all misty eyed this is the last time you're ever gonna see this <laughs> <laughs> and then you know six months later <laughs> the return of kiss and i was like you sons of bitches with none of your favorite members <laughs> yeah and that, i mean you know whatever they gotta do and i i thought i would be more excited about it but i'm i'm not yeah i'm not no. i don't have i mean i know they announced charlotte the other day and the tickets are going on sale but and if the tour is going on for three years, there's going to be another Charlotte show. There's probably going to be a Greenville show. There may be a Columbia. I mean, hit their secondary and markets and yep. stuff like that the next time around. So I mean, you know, if well, it, I will say this: Paul uh, was stating because because on the comment of you know being a three year tour, what they're basically what Paul is saying, right, is what they are trying to convey is the three years is going to span the entire world so mm-hmm. once they come to your town that's it kind of thing because it's going to take three I'm sorry, years i don't believe that because it's going to take them three years supposedly to hit all around the world and all this between at the end of the three stuff. years they'll say due to popular demand <laughs> for the fans we've extended the tour three more years I mean, it's going to happen. I mean, the final road I tour. I mean, it looks like right now they'd be discussing where the final show is going to be. Have they discussed that at all? In one interview, they did mention that. Uh, one of the interviewer, it was one that you could tell they weren't given the questions ahead of time. Because you know there's some interviews mm-hmm. where it's like, Kisco totally gave them what to ask them ahead of time. This guy felt like he had a little bit more free reign and was um, kind of giving his own perspective. And he goes, well, through all that, your exact question, where do you want the final show to be? And they said, well, they haven't given it much thought, but it would kind of make sense to be where it all started. So they've kind of hinted the last show being in Madison Square Garden. It should be in Madison Square Garden. Yeah. So they've kind of hinted to that, but not confirmed. I mean, you know, the last Ramon show being in L.A. was com- it completely That's sucked. Weird. Yeah, that, that, that should was have been odd. in New York. That, that was a Johnny move from what yeah, I Yeah, of course, because he just wanted to be able to take a cab home. <laughs> <laughs> you know. He wanted to get the fuck out of there as quick as possible and not say goodbye to anybody. And that's what he did as far as uh, I know. As far as, 
what I've come to understand. And of yeah. all members, it is odd that Johnny seemed to attach himself to the L.A. life. Mm-hmm. Because of all people, it felt like he would have wanted to stay more true to New York roots. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems like Dee Dee would have been easily influenced by the L.A. life. Well, I think I think with Johnny, I, I don't know this for a fact, but, you know, with his stuff that he collected, mm-hmm. I think uh, stuff that he was into, I think L.A. just put him closer to all that. And, right easy access and I don't know maybe they just like the weather maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe he kind of liked the Hollywood lifestyle too because if you watch uh, the documentary that had his funeral the people that would come see him were Nicolas Cage Rob Zombie oh, yeah, yeah. just Hollywood as hell too so but not yeah. that it isn't cool or anything but no and, and you can look at it from a few different ways you know I may not care well the people you listed off aside from zombie, I like cave, but some of the other folks that hang out with them, rancid type and stuff like that. Right. I may not care, but it's like at the same time, Johnny earned it. Right. You know, it's like, yeah. so, so it's like, you can kind of look at it a few different ways where it's I like, I thought oh, that this. was interesting with all those points. I mean, you know, the thing about it is the Ramones nor kiss really owe anything to our expectations. They no. can do whatever the hell they want to do. I mean, we can either, we can either partake or not. You know, and that's yeah. that's basically how it all. And goes. in such contrasts, me being such a huge Kiss fan and loving the Ramones, the Ramones are doing such a better job maintaining their legacy with their releases and what they put their name on. Like for instance, mm-hmm. those expanded editions. Those things are incredible. Do you think it's because so many of the members have passed on now, or uh, say if it, this happened with if Paul and Gene and three out of four members, if three out of four members of Kiss have died, would the legacy have been treated? this well or will well, be treated I th- as I well. I think there's a little bit more back-end issues here. I think the KISS catalog, that's still owned by Universal. And right. Universal just frankly doesn't give a shit about KISS. I think with the Ramones, someone in that group was able to buy everything back and now well, there's some sort of joint agreement or something like that? With them, I mean, the stuff that's been doing, that's been done for them has been done really well and it's been something that the fans are actually interested in. You know, these people come to Gene with, uh, you know, we want a silk screen uh, Kiss logo on ping pong balls. All right, check. Do it. <laughs> Who wants Kiss ping pong balls? Nobody. Ping pong ball enthusiasts. You know, and I'm just like, there's so much stuff <coughs> Kiss could do right. with, the, with their catalog that already exists and the stuff that is in the vaults and everything they could do that would, the fans would would be excited to see, oh, but, yeah. but for whatever reason, they don't do it. It's the same with Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper's never been the the management, I guess, Ship Gordon alive and all that stuff. They've never been very uh, attentive to merchandising Alice mm-hmm. and or the catalog in general for like re releases. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And yeah, it only feels like within the past few years, Rhino has taken it. Rhino has, has, has a re-released all that stuff on vinyl, done remastering, but they didn't do any. And there's tons of uh, demo stuff and alternate takes from Billion Dollar Babies. They could have easily done that kind of package Yeah, I think with they've that. only done like one expanded edition. And I think it only scratches like the surface of probably the stuff that's available. Mm-hmm. And same thing with the Kiss stuff, like that box set that came out in the early 2000s. That just scratches the surface of the things that are available. Like number one, 
it's a, they don't even have to dig back in the vaults. I've been thinking on this for a while. With all the Record Store Day releases, you've heard their original demos for the first album that was recorded with Eddie Kramer. Eddie Kramer, yeah. And it was on that box set. It's better than the album. It's, Except for the arrangements on some of the songs. I think the arrangements they ended up with were the way to go. Oh, yeah. If, if, they, if it had the actual album arrangements recorded in that style, that would have been the... It would have been perfect. What they need to do, there's like five songs on that. Press it to a 7-inch or a 12-inch for Record Store Day. Mm-hmm. That's a perfect cap-off for this End of the Road tour, but you know they're not going to do that. No. They choose to do every... That's exactly what, what I was saying about that. They don't do anything interesting to their core base. I mean, they'll have every a, a, a cruise or something <laughs> like that. Then <laughs> every little gimmicky thing on this current sewer that they're pumping out too like we were talking about this right before you got here a $300 strap that Paul Stanley wears. Oh no, not 300. Oh, no. Or it three was grand. Yes, 3 grand if if for the end of the road tour you have the option of buying Gene Simmons or Paul Stanley stage uh, used guitars and straps. And like the Paul guitar is running for like 22 grand, he uses it for like one song. If you want the strap, it's an extra three or four grand on top of it. Uh, the Gene basses, it costs more if it's during God of Thunder and it got blood on it. And all this shit, they are monetizing every little thing. And for the very first time, <laughs> you can actually purchase the sword that Gene used when he breathes fire during Firehouse. You can buy that for 12 grand. Yeah, See, look- I- I'm sorry, but that, that, that doesn't seem like you're doing anything for your fans. You're doing it for your bank account. You are, and, and it seems like they're really doing this to like build up a pension to make sure they don't have to go out on the road or it's like they can monetize every little thing. It almost feels like a garage sale. Probably because the setup's going to be so damn expensive and the crew's going to be so damn expensive if this is going to be the be-all, end-all kiss tour that they're pumping it up to be that... They're having to pay everybody with what they can, I guess. That is interesting. That might be the flip side. Is they're counting on ticket sales maybe not being that great. And those people that are plunking down that multi-grand for the crews and vaults and everything, they know they've got rich fans. I mean, I, screw I, I just think, you know, when you, when you put out stuff that, you know, a large majority of your audience has to, like, you know, go and take out a loan for, yeah, I, I, that, that's not catering to your audience, I, I don't think. And and that even kind of trickles down to our level, knowing our audience. There's been multiple opportunities for really cool uh, hoodies or different styled things that we could release. But it's like we know our audience and we know they're not going to spend $50 on a piece of clothing just because it's got our logo on it, you know. And that's why we don't offer hoodies. It's like it's it's almost disrespectful if you try to throw in something that expensive at your audience going. You expect us to pay this? I mean, we got a skateboard deck coming out like very soon yes and right on and i had to talk um with a a buddy of mine named scott leonard who is the lead singer for jethro skull he Mm -hmm. is pretty much the guy who brokered this whole deal right with me for me (laughs) and um he's asking me these questions i said listen man you gotta understand something i know nothing <laughs> about what you're talking about well, what, what was even the questions because i saw do the you photo want, you already posted do you want on. an eight point so board a pool oh, board a pig okay a chicken board i mean i'm just like <laughs> skateboarding man, questions man, you know what what is it a plank of wood with some holes in it yeah paint, paint anti-scene on it I, I don't know i'm not putting down skaters no no i no. just you know i don't expect um 
I don't expect most people to know the differences in the Godzilla outfits that they used in in the movies, like like I do, like where the zippers were located and all this kind of <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just like I don't know nothing about skateboarding. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean I'm pro skateboard, anti skateboard. You're not going to catch me on one of them damn no, things. But, but especially be, not now. But you'd be ignorant to the fact that a large base of your audience does enjoy well, skating that's or what, that's what that. Scott was saying to me. He's yeah. like, man, I discovered your music at a skate ramp. Yeah. And we skated to eat more possum. And, and I'm like, okay, well, all right, we'll do a skate. And, and believe me, this deal has been going on for a long time because I have hemmed and hawed and, <laughs> and got cold feet. And, you, you know, hemming yeah. and hawing? No. Yeah, believe it or not. <laughs> not as far, far-fetched. <laughs> but, yeah, it's finally going to happen. But, you know, this is something I've had several people especially after I posted the uh, teaser picture last night, mm-hmm. have conf- people confirming to me, oh, this is great. Yeah, we, oh, yeah. we're very happy about this. So I remember like, you telling me about okay, it. Okay, well, yeah, I told you what, a few last weeks summer? Ago. Yeah, well, actually, yeah, you told me about it last summer, and then you reminded me a few weeks ago, and you told me what the designs were going to be. And I was kind of picturing in my head going, oh, yeah, that'll look cool. But as soon as you posted the photo, it's like I finally saw it full realized. I was like, whoa. So no, I definitely can't it wait to get my hands on cool. that because I don't even skate, but um, I've got one of the dwarves decks mm-hmm. uh, where everyone signed it. So it's like, so now I've got one to start. So now I'm going, hmm, I've got one. Now I'm, I'm gonna get an Annie scene one at some point. So now I'm going. Now I've got two. It's Let me see a- who else might have a deck. Start a how much start wall, a wall space do you have? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I've been conferring with the uh, Mike Thrower, you know, mm-hmm. and old old friend, old fan. And, oh yeah. Uh, he was uh, assuring me that the skateboard thing was going to be okay. You know, oh, so yeah. Because he, he was a skater. Um, yeah, yeah. I was going to say. The, he like, collects boards. I, I think he's even he's even talking about at some point making them. Oh, really? Himself. Yeah. And see, and that's the thing is I have a skateboard, and I, and I skated for a while, but I never took it seriously. I was never like one of those skater dudes. It was more or less uh, I might be able to use this to get me from point A to point B quicker. <laughs> you know, that's almost kind of like what my thinking on it was. So it's like, I may not be in the skater realm, but I've always liked watching the craftsmanship of it because I do like watching something like that being built. And there is a lot of kind of science and um, angles and a lot of math that kind of goes into certain decks. So I like kind of Especially digging with it. custom stuff like that too. Oh yeah. So it's like, I, I'll, I'm, I like watching that sort of thing, so I have an appreciation for it when it's all said and done. I grew up in the era of rollerblades. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure you, Clayton, you've spent some time in the roller rink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't, it wasn't rollerblades. We had the boot skates. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think rollerblades were a thing for like maybe one or two years. <laughs> I could never get any of that shit. I, I busted my ass too much. And I, I was, it was one of those things. It's like the practice wasn't worth the re- reward. It's like, <laughs> let me tell you, son, you just brought up an old thing in my memory. I've, I've talked to your mom about this before, but mm-hmm. um, I guess around 1973, mm-hmm. I lived in a trailer park down in uh, Biloxi, Mississippi. Really, we we were Air Force family, and most okay. of the trailer port part was uh, Air Force families because the okay. uh, Keesler Air Force Base is very close. That's for the guys that didn't want to live on base, right? And um, we lived there, and I had picked up a job uh, selling uh, TV guides in the trailer park. Like I would 
mom had made me this bag and I put them on my handlebars, fill it with the weekly TV guides, go around to all my people that were my customers. Right. And, you know, I saved up my money because I, I was a little bit into a wrestling at this age. And keep in mind, I'm 10 or 11 years old. Right. And I knew about wrestling, but I didn't really know the, you know, I didn't know when to catch it. And so I had to watch it when my, when my grandfather was watching it. Right. Okay. Right. But you know, so that's primarily where that came from. Is what but I watched that movie with a Raquel Welch. Now at uh, 12 years old, I knew the effect Raquel Welch had on it. <laughs> didn't take, but didn't it, take was, long. It, was, it was called Kansas City Bomber. Right. And it was about roller derby. Mm-hmm. And it showed, I found out later, that the roller derby thing was much like the wrestling thing. Right. It's it's a scripted mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. thing. Right, that, right. And, and man, I saw that and I thought, and I saw those, you know, like they had the guys team and the girls team. And, man, the guys team, you know, putting on those pads and everything. I was like, man, that's what I, I would like to do that. <laughs> you know, like wearing the helmet and all that. And wham, you know. <laughs> and so I saved my money from the TV guide sales and bought a pair of black boot roller skates. Right. So I, and I got pretty damn good at it. But it, that was one of them things that the interest faded pretty fast. And <laughs> right. I don't even know what happened to them. So, so what you're meaning to tell me is we're not going to see at some point at an ANC show you skating on out uh, oh, no. some moves oh, and no. whipping out some nice moves during uh, That's just another rock. way to break my neck. <laughs> <laughs> Roller derby people get pretty intense, so. <laughs> well, when I initially thought about having you on the show, I was like, you know, everyone always does any scene. I don't want to do any scene. But you wound up doing cool shit right before this. Yeah. So it's like, I really do want to talk about it now. Mm. So unfortunately, now you are stuck. And once again, another interview thing where you have to talk about Annie scene. Mm-hmm. But this time around, you at least did something that you've wanted to do your entire life, which was go to Japan. Yes. So we'll touch on that in a second. But the very first thing that happened was your 35th anniversary show. Mm-hmm. Give us a little bit of info on that one and how that how that evening kind of wound up coming to be. Well, uh, we did it at the neighborhood theater, in Charlotte, which was, North yes, yep. which, which is a new hall for us. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just want to say that the, the the crew there were very very helpful and accommodating to us the whole the whole staff. And uh, yeah, they they acted like they were hosting a big event, which whether it was or not to them they acted like it and and, and that and, and that was actually really nice of them at least them being able to take that extra step of just being respectful and understanding that this band has been around 35 years it, so it was real important to us and uh i don't know i think the whole night became a little more uh, emotional than than i thought it would yeah and uh i don't know if that's just a factor of being older <laughs> no, what, I think but. I think everyone felt it because there there we don't really have to touch on it much if you don't want to, but you know there there were some things leading up to that where by the time the show rolled around everyone was really appreciative of the people that were there. So I think it was really an emotional night for everyone and mm-hmm. it it was it was a very good show not only for the fact that you guys absolutely killed it, but everyone there was so happy that the other people were there. I think everyone mm-hmm. cherished those moments a little bit more as somebody yeah. as an that's an outsider from what y'all do at home and everything as far as getting knowledge of setting all this up and everything it felt like a real big event and it felt like everybody 
had a wonderful time despite everything leading up to it. Yeah. So I, th- I think that everyone there was able to share a moment that regardless of any audio or video that may get released won't capture that same moment. So yeah, no it, it, it was an experience. Mm-hmm. So I think Absolutely. that's the biggest thing to take away from it. If you weren't there, it won't be the same watching it back. Yeah. No, like so, either. so that was an awesome kickoff celebrating 35 years of kicking ass and taking names. King of Destructo Rock. And then you head on over to Japan, <laughs> yeah. which, understanding your background some, a huge collector of Godzilla, mm. love Japanese culture, and been wanting to go there your entire life. Man, ever, ever since I could, ever since I could have ambitions, mm-hmm. I've said I would like to go to Japan. And what, what what always captured your mind with it was it because yeah, Godzilla? Man, I'm, I'm telling you, the first the first experience I ever got to experiencing something Japanese mm-hmm. was watching Godzilla movies was watching Ultraman oh, okay and uh, in the early 70s when I lived in in Mississippi like I just told you about mm-hmm. I met other Air Force families and a, a lot of uh, those kids not a lot but but a couple of those kids I know they were stationed in uh, Okinawa oh okay and so you know, while I was riding, was uh, hopping around in there with Planet of the Apes figures and um, uh, prehistoric uh, scenes models from Aurora, you mm-hmm. know, these kids had all this Japanese stuff. And so I'm looking at it and I'm just mesmerized, you know, Cayman Rider and all this kind of stuff. And, and because, uh, and, and, and I think at that early age, it really kind of sunk into me that somewhere in this world, there is a there's a place that you can go to. Mm-hmm. It's completely different from anything we have here. Yeah, because uh, to paint a little bit of a better picture, not even the typical no internet, blah 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 and blah. American culture didn't really bring in Japanese stuff. They weren't really focused on that. It's not like you know, regardless of no internet, you couldn't go to you know your newsstand or wherever, or go to your toy store and find these imports. They no. really weren't doing that yet. You had right. to look in look in encyclopedias. You know, I would go to school and look at books of Japan. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's where I um, I learned about you know samurai. Oh, okay. sumo. Um, so that just captured your imagination yeah, like crazy. The women, you know, with the, the uh, <laughs> with the the geishas. hair and the big fans and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I was just in, in the artwork. I mean, as a kid, man, I I think I, I I had stuff sink into me like a sponge more than your average kid in New London, North Carolina. I don't I don't know if that sounds conceited or not, but I just <laughs> but things just kind of stuck with me and I absorbed it like crazy man i was just like a i was like i had a hard drive that i, I didn't even know what a hard drive was <laughs> and i was storing it all in my brain i, I, really don't, think, I don't think it's really conceited because the fruits of it now it wasn't a fad for you it wasn't like you were just latching onto it and then it just drifted away no it's you been know. something that's been constant yeah through, throughout so that's not conceited that's something genuine about your character uh, into my adult life you know like um early on in in dealing with uh, anti-scene um um artwork and stuff we we incorporated the uh, japanese letters that meant anti-scene right and uh even though i i like that i felt kind of odd using it having not experienced the country right 
And then, you know, later on, I got into to a Japanese wrestling. Mm-hmm. Because it was the Japanese that uh, that kind of introduced us to the um, like the the, the crazy the crazy extreme stuff when we discovered so, IWA and Wing and so they were doing a little bit more than what the U.S. was doing. Yeah, at they this pushed point. the envelope. And so, so around what time period would you this say would this would have been um, mid nineties? Mid nineties. Yeah. So what came first, that or uh, ECW, or did uh, ECW take from Japan? ECW would have been called um, probably something different. Tri-State or Eastern. That there was Tri-State wrestling, and then there was Eastern Championship wrestling, and we were seeing uh, we were seeing uh, stuff like the feud between uh, Cactus Jack and uh, uh, Eddie Gilbert. Okay, where they were taking stuff, you know, pushing the envelope a bit. Then then we started getting. Uh, pictures in wrestling magazines from a match and, and tape trading tape trading was very mm-hmm. very popular during this time i forgot to mention that you know people would get something from somewhere make copies of the video you, yeah. know, you know you might have a 15th generation vhs oh, yeah. but that was huh. big in wrestling community along with the music community bootleg concerts and stuff like but that. you would power through watching it because you know this was your chance to see it yep and you know we were getting tapes from uh, you know of uh the uh, Japanese wrestler Onita. Okay. And we were seeing pictures in the wrestling magazines of uh, the Sheik and Sabu and those fire rope death oh, man. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. looking at how brutal it is. And you're just like going, God, man, this is blowing my mind. I can't imagine <laughs> something so out of control, you know? And, <laughs> and, and so there was that. And then um, it was a big, it was a big honor. Uh, to have one of the big names in that um, type of wrestling, Mr. Pogo. Mm-hmm. It, it was a great honor to have him on the cover of a uh, CD we did for Japan and called Great Pogo Hits. That CD, right. actually, um, as because Mom was never big into wrestling, so I mm-hmm. never had that come in. That CD and that cover in the poster, which I still have, was my first introduction into Japanese wrestling because I saw that and I'm like, what is that? And, and uh, actually, Jeff Williams, Biggie Stardust, he gave it to me and he mm-hmm. explained it to me. He's like, oh, this is Japanese wrestling stuff. And I was like, what? And he showed me a couple videos of it. I was like, holy shit. So mm-hmm. that was actually my first introduction because you were able to get that. And you know, it was just um, getting to go over there finally mm-hmm. at 54 and turning 55 there. It was just, um, it was one of the things where I was just kind of like at the end of it going, okay, well, what's next in my life? <laughs> <laughs> because I, I met a lot of people, like, okay, I, I used to correspond with uh, the guy from uh, Dwiffelax Records. Mm-hmm. Toshihiro that 25 years ago and we lost track of each other we probably haven't been in contact with each other for 20 years oh wow so old pen pals yeah. basically and I, I got to meet him he 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 is the guy that arranged the whole thing with oh wow with Pogo. i got to meet wow. the guy who took the photo of pogo for the cover it's like we were in japan but there was a certain aspect of it that seemed like a homecoming yeah, because because you had been so 
closely associated with these people for so long, it almost felt like you knew them. Yes. Did any of them ever make the trek out to the U.S. to see you guys? Man, I saw Japanese fans there that had, like, I saw one with a COS Super Show 2001 t-shirt. Oh, wow. wow. I saw Cock News t-shirts, and I don't know if they got them in the state. I, 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 saw a girl, I wasn't going to bring that up. I was going to just let them have it. <laughs> I saw a girl wearing the anti-scene beanie toboggans that we made the first tour we ever did of Europe. Oh, wow. Okay. In 92. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just like, well, wow. Well, I mean, of course, you can get anything through the mail and online now. Right. But, but uh, there were people who said, yeah, I, I made the trek out to see you guys in 2001 at Austin, mm-hmm. you know, or or I saw you here, and you know, and I was, it's uh, it, it's quite a compliment. I mean, it, it's a compliment when you're playing in North Carolina and someone from Georgia drives up, <laughs> right? So exactly, <laughs> imagine you're playing somewhere in the states and someone from Tokyo makes the trek. Exactly, it, it's quite a compliment, and I don't know, a, a younger me would be. I don't know, just kind of walking around like a banny rooster, going. <laughs> but to me, it just, it just kind of, it just kind of. You're just like, uh, damn right, you came out. <laughs> now it's just very, very, very touching, and means means an awful lot more than I could ever put into words. So we'll go into that a little bit more. So let's go into it first because our, I didn't ask you about this intentionally because I wanted to just kind of find out later. The one thing you were complaining about leading into it was the flights because of all mm. the different layovers, layovers and stuff. So how was it actually getting to Japan? You know how brutal Japanese wrestling is and was? Yeah. <laughs> that flight was more brutal. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> God, damn. Man. The funniest part was reading uh, Russ's blog about it mm-hmm. where he would just dread every little thing about going to the airport. And <laughs> well, I mean, Russ was dreading the two-hour flight from from uh, Charlotte, New York. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, man, that one going from New York to Shanghai? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I bet he, that was. Even Barry says, man, he goes about about eight hours into it, he goes, I hit a wall, and I was like, I hit that wall a little sooner than eight hours. <laughs> and, like, and Barry, he, he he knows how to truck along. Barry's you know, a machine, man. Oh, yeah. It, it takes a lot to rattle his cage. <laughs> So, no, I, so I can just imagine that, though, because uh, Morgan, she watches enough of those Japan travel things and documentaries and explaining all trying to get into Japan and all that. So I'm just sitting there thinking these four guys <laughs> having Give to deal with the customs pills. and having to deal with all that. And the funny thing is, is especially with Russ, because I do love him to death, but he can be a bit um, downy before it needs to be time, but he can always get himself into it. Watching the videos of him playing was so great because he was just grinning ear to ear. Man, Espe- that's that we, was just so great to see. We were all top of our game these three nights. There's three nights, man. You know, and I, and and that's not bragging. It's not bragging when it's the truth. We no. we were top of our game. No, and, we, we've had a few shows where it's just like, no, fuck you. We killed it. <laughs> and, man, and man, we once we were there, we had all of us, Russ, especially Gooch had such a great time and i i felt like it brought us closer you know and th- this was not one of those 
what I call soul crusher trips. <laughs> Where after it's over, you go, why the fuck do we do that? And you I've know? heard you share a few stories of uh, back in the 90s of a few trips y'all made where you were just like, good God, I'm surprised we didn't break up after that trip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that is such a cool thing is that the trip actually did bring you guys together. And I think it was because everyone understood the gravity of it and mm-hmm. they, and no one was taking it for granted. But man, you know, to, to go over there and and to hook up with, you know, there's two really good bands that have been fans for, you know, a lot of their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, Shoot Mats, Shootmaster and uh, Raikutsu Blizzard. Mm-hmm. And we got to play with a group that we've known about for a long time, Abigail. Right. And uh, getting to, uh, to be associated with First Ring Wrestling. And I got to meet Mr. Pogo's manager. And the guy from First Ring said that before Pogo died, they had talked about doing this rock wrestling type thing, and mm-hmm. uh, he'd mentioned ha- them getting us over in oh, some wow. capacity. And so that that really made me feel good. So, so talk about the wrestling awesome. thing. Oh, you got, it was you, amazing, got man. you got approached randomly. It, it kind of seemed from what you were telling me just to be a part of this event. Well. Like we we had just planned for the two Tokyo shows right in the beginning, and then at the last at the last bit of uh, closing all the details down, we were approached with uh, we want to do a third show at a wrestling event, and and we're just like yeah, of course, you know. Oh yeah. And it turns out this is on my birthday. Oh, and that's so I'm turning fifty five <laughs> at a Japanese death match in Japan. That's that's just a no brainer. Of course, these people showed up. <laughs> you know, but it was it was a nice crowd for Sunday. They said it was down from what they were accustomed to, but that the fact that it was a Sunday, they felt hurt their their attendance. Right, and, but it didn't make a difference. Though, you know? <laughs> and, and, and then and they asked me if I would be involved by e- by email. And, right, and I was just like, man, I'm I'm not taking no bumps. <laughs> you know? and, because you, re- you used to do a lot yeah. more physical stuff in your act. Yeah, and, I, and I've done some in, in, in wrestling right. before, too. But I was just like, I, I I didn't quite understand what they meant. But then when we get there, they they just want me to announce the the jump off to the event. Right. I was like, well, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they put us on the stashes and the gave us the little balls to autograph and throw mm-hmm. to the audience. I and, didn't see uh, those photos. Um, we we uh, walk out to the ring, and I thought I thought okay, everybody go to the ring, you know. Right. And uh, well, man, we start walking out. Everybody's in the ring. Oh, they're already waiting. I was the last <laughs> person to go in, and I was just like, <laughs> and the response that I got from the audience, mm-hmm. just man, I was just like, kind of going like fuck just surreal like twilight zone kind of thing yeah, i was like and i was looking behind me like god damn the elvis come in or I was about to say, yeah. <laughs> is this for me <laughs> and, and i was just like it it was all quite a compliment you know every, every we were treated with such love and respect from everybody and we even discussed it in the airport i think gooch asked did we meet any assholes? <laughs> like, no. He, even the drunk punks were the nicest. Really? Uh, most respectful people. <laughs> well, that says a lot about their culture then. <laughs> uh, man, believe me, that, that culture, it's, I, I can't go on enough about just how the average 
people in the street treat each other. Yeah. It's so it's not a cliche. They they really no, do. It's not cliche like at all. And I don't think any kind of little report you can get from me or or any TV show does it justice. Yeah. Because we were only home ten minutes <laughs> until I looked at the guys. Oh yeah, we're back. Yeah. You know, I saw Russ's status. I think like two days after y'all got back, he goes, "I wasn't in Japan long enough to miss home, but I've been home long enough to miss Japan." Damn, <laughs> that never has a truer statement been made. <laughs> so not only did the shows rock, one of my favorite things that I saw Barry, because that's one thing I'm really thankful about with Barry. He is no shame about whipping out his phone and hitting record everything. and documenting stuff. Mm-hmm. You got to go to this awesome, what was it, a Godzilla it's like store, individual building? There was the there, first, first was the building. Okay. With so that wasn't Godzilla the same sculpture. Thing. Okay. I thought that no. was the same thing. There, there was a Toho Theater. Toho is the company that produces yeah. Godzilla. And, right. Uh, the Godzilla was on top of the building. Oh, okay. And the girl that was taking us around, that was taking all the pictures, she, you know, knew where it was. And she right. Was, leading us and i guess she told barry oh yeah when we turned that corner mm-hmm. as, as, and so barry's like got camera out and <laughs> i don't know if you noticed me walking with a real purpose at that point yeah, did. Like, yeah. I didn't see and that. Man, when i turned that corner it was just like all the sound went Soop. <laughs> I was just sitting there wide-eyed, my mouth hanging open. Oh like because I've seen you tickled. I've seen you laugh at stuff because we've watched movies. I've seen you keel over, like tears running down your face laughing. I've seen you and thoroughly enjoy yourself. Yeah, but that's usually if we scare your sister. So. Or me. Or me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll tell that one later. I just, oh, I just not thought about that. Uh, no, but that was the first time I saw you as a kid. I saw mm. the the kid in your face at that moment and it was so cool to see that because I've seen you angry I've seen you I've seen you pretty happy and I've seen you having a good time but I haven't seen like that oh my god moment in your face so knowing that you were able to finally get that trip especially on your birthday having that cool little cap off with the wrestling on your birthday that that really just makes me happy especially right after the anniversary show oh out of that whole Japan trip what would you say was probably the defining moment was it probably the wrestling or like what like the mo- the biggest moment to kind of take it, away. It's hard to pick one because it just seemed like each day something topped it. Right. You know, like seeing Budokan. Oh, right. Like yeah. we turned the corner. You know, like we first we saw it from a distance. We're like, wow, man, we're not going to get a close view. You know. Mm-hmm. We turned around and I saw the top. I went there. It is. <laughs> and all of a sudden, bam, we're behind a building. So sexy, our driver. Uh, wait, 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 pause. Yeah. Sexy. Sexy. <laughs> Explain that <laughs> one. Sexy is the drummer to uh, for a Rakutsu Blizzard. Okay. okay. <laughs> and he, he was the only one that could drive. Right. And he didn't speak hardly any English. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you what, we had the best time with that guy. I mean, he, he tried. And, right. And, and we tried. Right. We, we, we would say hello and thank you a lot. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> Did a friendship connect even with the language barrier? <laughs> but, you know, Barry told him from the beginning, he says, if we say anything mm-hmm. you do not understand, he's like, mm-hmm. he says, just say, yeah. <laughs> and so we'd be talking and he'd be going, oh, and then we'd look at him and he'd look at us uh-huh. and we, everyone would just go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> 
<laughs> but we, we did we did convey to him that we would have liked to see Budokan. Mm-hmm. You know, just to see it. All right. your favorite live and, albums are made there. Or yeah, like mine and, too. And and you know, we we finally see it, and we drive up in the front. You know, and we're just like. Well, goddamn! How can we top this? Okay, <laughs> we're about to find out. We're gonna go this Japanese death match. Thing, you know? <laughs> so it was just like it was something, just boom, 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 you know, and something that, new every day. And you know, I've never seen Barry get emotional over everything, but even he was sad to leave. Really? Yeah, we, wow. we were all really bummed to leave. And and that's really a good sign. Uh, thinking on that, what now? Where has Annie seen not gone that you want to go? Australia. Because Australia. Yeah. That would be fun. Because hmm. I know you you were aware of you know a fan base in Japan. Mm-hmm. You just had to get over there. Do you know? Do you think you would have kind of a? Re- as I know, Europe is also a good trip for you guys. Do you think Australia would kind of be in that realm? Uh, Australia was one of the first foreign countries to ever reach out to us. Really? Put out, as a matter of fact, the album Noise for the Second Noise, Uh-huh. that's an Australian album. Oh, so that wasn't initially intended for a no, U.S. release? That's why there's uh, re-recordings of some of the early songs. Yeah. Because it was supposed to be for Australia. Oh, see, I figured that was just the thing that every you know punk band was doing in the 70s and mm. 80s re-recording their stuff throughout uh, the years it, it, until it, it got it, better it was uh, supposed to be our introduction down there it was on a label called dog meat okay see i remember seeing dog meat but i was just always connecting that as oh that's just the label that released it in australia yeah Not that that a, was a, a guy down there named dave lang mm-hmm. you know uh had that label and uh was pushing that and we know we put out a bunch of singles on dog meat and uh i don't know i guess it wasn't a bunch but a bunch considering you guys hadn't really been there yet yeah we've never been there we never even had an offer and that's exactly that huh it feels like you guys would go over real well there because it feels like australia still holds on to their rock and roll like mm-hmm. they still appreciate some good loud guitar yeah i mean yeah. it's like like we were talking in in, in the airport again we were st- you know just sitting around because we had a lot of long layovers so we got <laughs> a lot of chance to talk and did you go exploring on any of the layovers was it long no, enough to do any it, on that you, like like when you're at jfk you're way out there in the brooklyn gotcha, queens yeah. you know i didn't know how many layovers when i want to really go had. see a damn circle k or <laughs> but go uh, see a wawa <laughs> yeah but we just sitting there and talked and we we're like we're like what can we do next? You know, mm-hmm. And I said, well, there's Australia. Yeah. We haven't been to Australia. And, uh, been to and we were going like, well, God, I want, the, the only way Australia could top this is if we were touring with Rose Tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm going to think of with Australia. I'll tell you Rose that. Because God knows ACDC ain't going to pick up anybody like us no. or anything like mm-hmm. that. <laughs> Airborne. I don't know if you've Airborne. heard much on them. We played with Airborne. Have you? Yeah, Whoa. We, we played with them in uh, Holland. No shit. Mm-hmm. Now, see, here's the thing: is a lot of people like uh, discredit them, going, "Oh, it's just ACDC on steroids." Pepsi DC. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> they released a documentary about a year or so back, and actually getting to watch those guys and understanding where they come from and why the band started and how they treat the shows and everything, you really get a new appreciation for them. Like, I uh, don't remember any of the uh, members' names, but the guitarist. Before every show, he kind of circles the building and finds out where the handicapped spots are. And he has such a strong enough wireless that one during one of the songs when, you know, they kind of do a breakdown, it's just an extended solo, 
he'll run through the audience and intentionally go to those spots and play for the people that couldn't get up really close. Mm. So it's like That's knowing cool. the little things they do like that, it kind of boosts up the well, idea of you know the music and such. You know, it 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 was definitely an ACDC sound with an early Metallica look. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know, they weren't bad. I'm not gonna sit there and go. Mm -hmm. oh, I, I don't like them. I mean, they they were entertaining as hell. <laughs> the proof right here is to, if you heard on the Tony episode, what does uh, Jeff Clayton get impressed by anything anymore? No, unless he planned it ahead of time. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you know, and, and their crew were like really nice, and you know, a lot of those. Well, what are they English or Australian? Australian. Australian oh, okay, yeah. well, they, those crews, you know, especially English crews can be real fucking dicks yeah but these guys were really nice and mm -hmm. helpful to us and about well, that's cool about four or five of them after our set came down and bought anti-scene t-shirts so oh wow isn't it weird how that, that makes wonderful. or breaks your opinion on a certain artist <laughs> well, well not even that but well, it's it like it's even cool. them it was their road crew their road crew still was just, you well know. it's actually kind of cool to know that the, also that documentary we watched wasn't just full of bullshit and they're propping themselves up trying to seem like you know the good guys of rock and roll they they actually kind of showed that at least in their actions well the the uh, crew you know were, mm -hmm. were older guys like us too I guess and they, the crew is also a big indication of the band itself the way the band is run right mm -hmm. yeah. because even your crew brandon uh and you kind of just bring on you know whomever for merch like me <laughs> but you know brandon he's your main go-to mm -hmm. and it's like he he is a really good guy especially on the team for you because mm -hmm. he respects the band and he's professional enough and i i've always gotten along with him and i've really dug him. so we've got to meet a good chunk of the fozzy crew not too long ago and i not a fan really of Fozzie's music per se, no. but the crew was pretty, is very fucking friendly. And oh yeah, and professional even, as fuck, and well, was very inviting. Too. And their bassist Randy, which it was funny that we found out later because the only reason we were able to do that is because Stir was opening up, and uh, found out later that Fozzie's bassist Randy was producing one of the bands we were playing with in Atlanta. So mm. that kind of gave us a little connect on that. So yeah, we met that crew, and it is kind of odd how you can meet a crew of folks and you'd be like. I don't like the music, but they're at least nice guys. <laughs> One of the guys in Fozzie used to be in a band here in Charlotte called Lickety Split. I think it's, the, I think it's one of the guitar yeah, players. Yeah, what, what's his I name? I can't think of his name, though. But is his name Randy? Not, uh, it's, nah, Randy's it's like closed. younger guy. Yeah, Randy's the bassist. No, I know who you're talking about because he used to do Stuck Mojo stuff, too, Did right? Might be. I don't know. It's it the guy have. that not Steve's rich. talked about. It's not Rich. It's, it's not Rich? It's the other guitar player. Okay, I was thinking it was Rich. We knew those guys back when they were licking and split. <laughs> we practiced in the same... Uh, storage units right you know I mean they were cool guys yeah <laughs> everybody seemed real friendly and they seemed but, like they were having fun but right. I mean I don't like hair metal <laughs> <laughs> I don't either so out of that Japan trip though because I know you've had other really cool experiences out would you say by far that's the coolest like outside the US trip you've made was the Japan trip you know I told them guys I said if if this is what all the bullshit we have gone through <laughs> the shitty trips the brutal drives the indifferent audiences, mm -hmm. all the shitty fucking bands that people put with us. Because, <laughs> oh, you're anti-scene. You'll like this group. They they piss on each other. You know? <laughs> you know, and all this kind of horse shit. If if sitting through all that and those soul crusher shows, if this was the payoff for it all, it was mm -hmm. well worth it. Hell yeah. Which makes me think of the Tom Waits song, Big in Japan, where he's just like, I got the boat, not the lake. I got this, and I don't got that. But I'm big in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> 
And see, and uh, something you kind of touched on that with the whole, you know, oh, you, you're in any scene, you'll like this. I've had the privilege of seeing a slightly different side of you, which mm. is the side that'll just put on some, you know, classic soul and, you know, just chill out and, you know, snap your fingers in the living room as mom's, you know, doing something in the kitchen. And we talk about Christmas things and stuff like that. And one of the uh, memories we talked about earlier, you scaring the absolute <laughs> dog shit out of me late mm-hmm. one night. So I am in the kitchen. and we, I've still, been- we still relive that story at, <laughs> at dinner occasionally. The girls love to see me act how you act. <laughs> I don't know if I know this story. <clears throat> I would be so surprised if you don't. So it was late at night, and you were coming in late. And I, I was working security at Tremont. That's what it was. I couldn't remember if that's what it was or not. I didn't want to say. But yeah, so you were working security at Tremont. So it was after they closed Let down. Let me tell this part of Okay, it. you tell this part. <laughs> so I come into the house, and I lay my bags down on the table. I didn't turn any lights on because Alex had the kitchen light on. Mm-hmm. And it gave me enough light to see. Yeah. Okay. So I just went and put my bags down, and I saw him walk by and went, hey, man. And I noticed he didn't hear me. <laughs> so, and I saw him pass by the door again. And I was like, "You don't know I'm here." <laughs> so I'm looking at him. He's got earbuds in. I'm like, "Oh, because yeah. <laughs> I had been keep, cr- I had been, because I, I had been locked up in my room all night. I had just come downstairs for a quick snack. I was making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich of all things. Right. Like he said, walked past the uh, opening a few times. Never saw him. I finally turn around, and he's standing in the hallway, not making a noise, but like arms above his head like mouth open like kind of shaking like uh, as if he's like yelling at me like a classic you know universal monster like ah, <laughs> I, words cannot express how fucking scared I was seeing this guy in the middle of the hallway <laughs> acting like that and me not expecting it because I didn't know you were going to be coming over <laughs> and I'm just like what the shit <laughs> how old were you at the time oh this was only a few about years five, ago oh, about five years ago <laughs> I'll tell you what though I'd never seen Michael Jackson or James Brown dance like that before. (laughs) It was one of those quaking fears where it's like, I knew folks were asleep. Like Katie was asleep. I wasn't trying to make a lot of noise. And so I'm just like, I'm doing that quaking. And I'm like pulling out my earphones and like quietly I'm going, you son of a bitch, cocksucking motherfucker. At this point I'm laughing so hard. I didn't hear, I didn't hear half the cuss words. So I am just cussing him out. I grab my sandwich and I, I kind of look at him and we, we both kind of share a quick laugh, but I'm still shaking. I just go upstairs, shut so the door. Alex is easily <laughs> scared. Good well, the, to know. And the next morning I get up, I tell him, I'm like, man, I'm sorry for cussing you out. And just, that scared the shit out of me. <laughs> and again, you were just like, I didn't even hear it. I was too busy laughing. <laughs> when you scare someone and they cuss you out, that's the greatest compliment ever. <laughs> Well, about when Barry does it on camera to you and everybody else. <laughs> I've never been scared. <laughs> of course you haven't. <laughs> Obviously, there's some kind of doctrine going on with the video. <laughs> I think my favorites are Russ. I can't tell if he's ever putting on, though. But the, but there was one where he got him. I couldn't tell if he was leaving, like, the old... Uh, it was that old practice place over... Uh, John's? What, what we referred to as Tremont South. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The green that, rooms and like all that. Like, that one, I couldn't tell if he was putting on or not, because that was just such a great reaction. He wasn't putting on. That was so good. <laughs> no, he got him. 
<laughs> that that has to be my favorite one because he's gotten you before when you were on the hood of the car. No, he don't get scared. Yeah, yeah. Well, sorry. You you acted like you were scared. Um, Obviously, some kind of trick, <laughs> some kind of video trick done with with other footage. This was in post. <laughs> some kind of editing program. <laughs> Speaking of editing program, you're slowly still getting your way into uh, social media. You've started doing Instagram now. Yeah, Instagram is a lot more fun. So you're enjoying Instagram than yeah, Facebook? Yeah, I enjoy Instagram. He's I don't. I don't enjoy Facebook anymore. <laughs> well, what's the handle? Annie Scene JC uh, or JC yeah. Annie Scene? Uh, Anti Scene JC. At Anna's Annie Scene JC. Cool. Yeah, because we we started sharing a few of that from our page. I'm I'm, I'm I'm on Twitter too because the agency um, Vinyl Junkie told me that we would get more. Japanese response off Twitter right but for the life of me I don't understand it <laughs> I don't understand it I don't know if it's having an impact um, Twitter's weird I don't know man. if anyone's seeing it I don't even have it or I have it but I don't use it Twitter's weird because I use it for the band and for the show and for podcasting and that like the people that really dig into that they use Twitter a lot so I was originally going into the show going okay i'm not even going to worry about instagram i'm not even going to worry too much about our facebook i'm going to primarily focus on our twitter so i really dug into that hard and i didn't really get much and i got a little bit more from facebook instagram blew up and that was the one i really wasn't interested in doing because i'm like good god this is something else i've got to do now another social media platform because i do so many others but for some reason, Instagram does seem to be where people are sharing the most stuff and kind of enjoying it a bit more. And I think it's because you don't get to share news articles. You don't get yeah. to share other bullshit. Well, man, you it's know. stuff that you specifically are uploading. Exactly. Hey, a buddy of mine, uh, uh, Adam Neal, who mm-hmm. used to, who's the singer for the Hookers and plays for Savage Master, he, he made a post the other day that I thought, man, that's one of the one of the wisest things I've ever heard. Right. And 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 I understand 100% what he means. He says, I am so sick of people's opinions on anything. Yep. And that's why we created a podcast show. <laughs> and, 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 and I'm just like, you know what? I am too. Yeah. I, I, I really, like, the thing I hate about Facebook. <laughs> Here's something else, is, Clayton. <laughs> yeah, I hate Facebook. I, I hate the finger wagon. Yeah. I hate mm-hmm. the political lessons that you're getting from these people. Yeah. I hate, uh, you know, the the history lessons, the the um, the charts, the mm-hmm. the statistics, the mm-hmm. blah blah blah. If you blah 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 blah, blah, blah <laughs> I'm just like, God damn, man, it's fucking shit. And man, but man, I have tailored my feed mm-hmm. to where I don't see a lot of that horse shit. Yeah. anymore and, and now there, there's about five or six guys on there whose post I look forward to every day because yeah. all they do is post pictures of stuff from our past and our childhood and yeah. things that we like and and I appreciate that and that's why I liked Instagram so much even though I'm still learning it I, I don't know um, you know all the things it does but Fuck, I don't know all the things my phone does, much less, you know, but, you know, and, and, and you know. I like that it's more visual. I so, like the cool stuff that people like, yeah. like, here, check out this record, this thing I added to my record collection. Sometimes all you need yeah. is a picture. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like they say, a picture's worth a thousand words. Right. But sometimes you got to get Save a picture breath. 
and 5,000 words of someone <laughs> telling you what a dipshit you are because you don't believe what they do. Yep. <laughs> and that's the thing, too, is I think that is something else to kind of you know, go off what you guys were talking about, about Instagram. The thing I enjoy about it is it's stuff that you are specifically creating and tailoring. It's not someone else's opinion that you're sharing and coattailing on going, yeah, 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 what this guy said. Mm -hmm. You have to form whatever your actual thought is and make it a statement and make it on Instagram. It's not something so easily shared, and that's something I've I mean, I, I'm so sick of these damn armchair politicians, man. I can't stand it. Everybody's an expert now. Yeah. See, everybody, everybody's a goddamn expert and a fucking music critic. <laughs> and a, and a, oh, I'll be know, a music critic all day long. I can't bitch about some yeah, shit. Yeah, I can't you know say anything I mean, about though. that. Yeah, I, I mean, it's okay to post something that you like. Mm -hmm. Tell what, why do people even bother messing with stuff they hate? It, it's pointless, and Plus, that's and that's the reason we have this show. Is something good for you? Something good for you. Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, I do not like, to any degree, the group Boston. <laughs> now, <laughs> really, I don't hate them. Right. I don't wish ill will upon any of the members. <laughs> right. But I don't need to hear more than the feeling again for the rest of my life, however long that may be. <laughs> any of that first album. This right here is the most advertising mm -hmm. that I will want to give that group. <laughs> I'm not going to go and find stuff with them and post it mm -hmm. and then give a big, long, you know, 18 <laughs> <First>. paragraph <laughs> uh, post about why I think because my opinion is so important. The first time I Fuck ever you. heard Boston, I was 10 years old. <laughs> And it changed my life, man. But, you know, sometimes it is good to just bitch about something, though. You know? Because it's like maybe everyone just adores it so much. You know and it's though? just like... Argh. You know what, though? What? I don't want to hear it. <laughs> and, and see, I don't and, like it. And sometimes it can go a little bit further than that. So I wasn't even going to bring this up. I had this saved maybe just for a future episode, but it just fits all too well. <laughs> so... On Facebook, of course, you get a lot more bullshit than you do on Instagram. So you get headlines like this. Mom furious after headline gate agent mocks her daughter's name. Have you seen anything about that? <laughs> Who cares? Oh, you'll care. I really Just want wait. your opinion on this. I've heard this. <laughs> so a mom is claiming her daughter is name shamed by Southwest Airlines staff. Uh, her child suffers epilepsy, so given proper boarding, blah, 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 they begin life. The agent started laughing, pointing at me and my daughter, at talking to other employees. So I turned around to her and said, hey, if I can hear you, my daughter can hear you. So I'd appreciate it if you'd stop. While I was sitting there, she took a photo of my boarding pass and chose to post it on social media, mocking my daughter. The daughter's name, spelled A-B-C-D-E, pronounced absidy. And her mother were catching a flight to El Paso, Texas a few weeks ago when the incident happened. Redford and her daughter were upset. She said, Mom, why is everyone laughing at my name? And I said, not everyone is nice, and not everyone is going to be nice, and that's unfortunate. Or, not everyone names their kids some stupid name, <laughs> like ABCD. <laughs> Seriously, that she spells it ABCDE, but it's, uh, but it's pronounced absidy. I mean, Number sure. One, what, I mean, what kind of name is Absidy? Think anyway? about it, though. It looks like it's a. It looks like a damn typo. It, it looks does. like you were trying to write something else and it didn't come through. Now, see, here's the thing. Well, you know what? 
I had to. <laughs> so, 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 real, real quick, who's who's in the wrong here? Is it is it Southwest problem for posting a photo of it online? Well, you or know, is it the mom's fault for naming her kid such a dumbass name? First of all, if you don't want problems like that, don't name your kid and that, and don't spell it like that. <laughs> Thank okay, you. Strike yeah. one. Strike two. If you're working for a business like that, don't go making fun of your customers. Yes, yeah, I will you agree know? on that one. I think yes. I think we got dumbasses and assholes in a full <laughs> circle in that goddamn post right there. But man, that say a lot about society. It today. does say. But I mean, listen to this, man. I heard your sister talking one day. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Katie. <laughs> Me and my friend Curiosity, and I went, hold on Wait, a second. What? <laughs> I said, what was that kid's name? <laughs> Curiosity. <laughs> Like, come on, goddammit. There's a lot of fucking names out there you can name a kid. What are you gonna name a kid curiosity? curiosity? I don't get that. Do you know what a curiosity is? No being curious about something? Like John Merrick was a curiosity. (laughs) The elephant man, you know? Oh my god. And the irony is the kid's just indifferent about everything. (laughs) I'm just like, come on, goddamn. Well, see, here's the thing. I wasn't originally going to bring it up because I heard a few other people talking about it. But one, I really wanted to know what you thought. But number two, you know mom came close to doing the same thing to me, right? She was going to name Wait, you uh, Bowie, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Until my biological father <laughs> stepped in, Bowie and Fraley were on the potential uh... list. Now that's because uh, now looking back on this, I am really going. You dodged a bullet. <laughs> I am dodged a oh, fucking man, bullet. Man, look, I, I don't think Bowie was all that bad a name. I mean, there's Bowie knives, right? But but David it, Bowie, and of course named after David Bowie, and of course that's a sign of respect. But that's that that was his life. He still went by David. <laughs> that still you opens know? the door for shitty teenagers. Yeah. Ace still went by Ace or Paul, his actual name. He didn't go by Fraley. That wasn't his first name. Mm. I mean, people called me Cat when I was growing up, and that was bad enough. But see, here's the thing, though. With your name being Capel, that does work to a cool nickname being Cap or what I wound up doing, Captain. You yeah. Know? So that still kind of works. You know, you can kind of work that around. And plus, none. Yeah. That's a cool last name. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you were like, even if you were in like a death metal band, you could work something up and use last name none and think of some sort of you know evil something for the beginning. When I so, first when I first started doing radio, the guy I was working with uh, gave me a producer radio name none better. None. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you said, if you were in some black metal band, you'd be none desecrator. Oh, <laughs> see, I may or may not run with that now. <laughs> but of course, you'd have to write it in words like. That no one could read. Exactly. <laughs> All the pointy fonts. Just crumple up a bunch of sticks, throw it in the yard. There's your logo. <laughs> no, so you still got a cool last name, though. So that works for different things. Fraley or Bowie, you're really typecast. <laughs> and so is Absidy. Apparently. Or curiosity. <laughs> Absidy. What, what is that? What What the fuck? Is that even a word? That, that's the thing. It's like, what kind of name is Absidy anyway? Absidy. <laughs> I look at you. I saw you there laying there in the little bed when you were born, and I thought, Absidy. <laughs> Somebody looked at their little daughter when they went, Curiosity. Right? <laughs> Congratulations, Absidy. Now you're Man, podcast I'm gonna famous. Quote, I'm going to quote Classy Freddie Blassie on right. My Breakfast with Blassie with him and Andy Kaufman. What the hell has ever happened to the human race? <laughs> Remember the race car driver, Dick Trickle? 
I do. <laughs> man, that, man, that was a tough son of a bitch. <laughs> or the uh, the televangelist Peter Popoff. I remember cackling about that one when I saw it. I get that boy named Sue mentality and just crush it later in life. <laughs> <laughs> We're actually going to round the show off too with uh, one of your new records, uh, Obstinate. Obstinate. Nah, if I can yeah. if I can fucking pronounce it. <laughs> I wonder if anyone's named their kid Obstinate. <laughs> Where did that title come from, actually? Um, Joe named that record. Did he? Yes. Um, that was going to... When when we were still... When the lineup was still... Uh, me, Joe, John Bowman, and Phil Keller. Mm-hmm. Uh, after we had put out New Blood, we, we, were, we intended to start working on a new record. Right. Before uh, each of those guys made their exits but um our plan joe says man we need to name the next record obstinate he Mm. says because that word describes us he showed me and i've i've still got the world book encyclopedia or dictionaries whatever he had that he took it was his mom and dad he showed it to me he goes look man i said and i said man you know what we should do we should uh, copy that right out of there mm-hmm. with the you know the vowel dots right, and right. stuff yeah. like and I said definition. and we should use it straight out of here so he said here keep it oh. and I've still got it and that's oh, what wow. that's exactly what years later mm-hmm. we did the exact plan that we had and I scanned it you know yeah. filled it all the work with it and everything and uh, it's like um, we we have ideas and sometimes the ideas make it to the the drawing table yeah but they don't go into effect till much, much later later i mean like some of the stuff that the guys have thrown out there like in just in the last year or so mm-hmm. they may get discouraged when they don't see something yeah. in the next year but Five, six years from now, it may be like, boing. We're no no strangers to that at all because there's been... about doing this show for years and it's just now Mm -hmm. becoming a thing. Yeah, exactly. And hell, there you go. There's a good story for you because I don't think... I've never heard that one, actually. That's actually really cool. Uh, Actually, out of uh, that latest record, what would you say is probably your favorite? My favorite is uh, Atomic Clock. Cool. Well, well, I was going to say that that's definitely... That's a jam. That, that's not too much of like a song because I think you've got like what 30, 45 seconds of a song and it kind of does that slow grindy stuff kind of near the end. The noise and then mm-hmm. the noise stuff in the middle. That's my favorite part. I mean, uh, I don't think I don't think Gooch appreciates that kind of stuff that much, but he don't understand something that I would be all for doing an entire album mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, see, I thought it was cool because on this record, you guys kind of did some stuff that you really hadn't done before, like doing Down On Me, which is a mm-hmm. what traditional cover, correct? It's, it, it, it was a traditional, but uh, Janis Joplin had probably hadn't had the, the most successful right. version of that, but it was only on a live album of hers. Yeah, so it's like, you know, doing that song... Um, Mad Brother the, Ward song. Well, that that was really cool because that's the second Mad Brother Ward song y'all have done now. Because you what originally... Mad Brother Ward song did we do? I pissed you off, isn't that Mad Brother Ward? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, you've done that one, and uh, I think Need It Bad. Need It Bad. 
we did with the mongrels wasn't there one more that came out? We did on... kill the scene. Kill the scene. That's what I was okay. thinking. Kill the scene did that with the Bowman Keller um, mm-hmm. lineup. Yeah, I think that was on uh, New Blood, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I say I'm still a little sharp. <laughs> I'm still it came out on a that. single first, but yeah. then we just compiled all the singles and recorded a few extras and put New Blood together. And and what was the last song on Obstinate? Because I remember that being a little bit different too because Russ had a clean tone and was kind of doing that in it. Oh, that was uh, Why You Gotta Be. Yeah, and Why You that, Gotta that Be. Was something, that was something we all just came came up with in practice uh, one day. And, uh, you know, it was real bass and drum heavy. Yeah. You know, going on a groove more than a riff. And, uh because you just know, got that swing to him. And we, I know. You know, Russ was like doing just the muted strings. And, right. You know, and I think it may have been good to Russ that suggested they do the wah-wah to get that kind of, you know, that, that 60s, yeah. 70s funk mm-hmm. sound, you know. And, you know, I'd do a whole album of that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Because actually reverting further back into what we were talking about, just seeing the other side of you, you don't listen to punk rock. You like some classic soul and some funk and, you know, mm-hmm. just stuff that would kind of surprise folks. So, yeah, well, you know, I, I I hate to disappoint people, but I don't sit around the house uh, pissing on the floor and shooting, <laughs> shooting holes in the wall and, you know. And I would like to think that the majority of your fan base understands that, but you know there's still probably a good 10%, and of course there's a, those are the people that aren't going to be listening to this show, but there's still probably a good 10% of people that genuinely think that. The, all of you guys probably live together, it's, it's, and you live in a squat house, and, you know, It's very weird, some of the expectations people have of of how we conduct our lives, yeah, and you just kind of, kind of look at them and go, oh boy. I know, <laughs> and, and we and we've kind of gotten it on a different level of folks that even know us think that because we portray ourselves a certain way online, or because instead of taking time out of the day to look like we don't care about the way we look, we actually just you know take that same time and actually take a shower and you know trim our beard and you know put on <laughs> some clothes that we actually think look cool you know, <laughs> instead of doing that they get this idea of like oh they're acting like pretentious rock stars, it's like no instead of spending 20 minutes making my hair look dirty, I spent 20 minutes combing it and making it look nice <laughs> I got a funny story for you Okay. Hearing you say that bring, brings up something. I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to bring any embarrassment to him, but right. we had a member in the band who took Bill Cates' place Okay. for a brief period. Mm-hmm. Never recorded anything with us, just did some shows. Yeah. But he was, uh, you know, this was 1984, mm-hmm. 1985, and he uh, he was a very stylish guy for the time and uh joe and i did not appreciate the fact that you know he kept his hair like a member of the romantics or or the alarm or something (laughs) right and we're just like god damn man you know it's like uses more hairspray than any of our girlfriends (laughs) (laughs) and we're just like I remember we were right, and I'll tell you exactly where it was. It was on Moorhead <laughs> Road. We're riding from our practice place, going back to our apartment because he, he, we did live together then. Right, <laughs> things are us, different now. Some of us, you're yeah. married, <laughs> and um, and he was going, 
man, there's some products you can put out there that you can put in your hair and it'll make it look just real dirty and nasty. <laughs> <laughs> and I just looked at him and said, or I can just let it get all dirty and nasty. <laughs> Like when and somebody like, spends two hundred dollars for rich jeans, he just kind of you know, like goes, "Boy, oh, yeah, okay." Yeah. <laughs> like, God, I'm this guy, this guy ain't gonna last long. <laughs> Clearly, he didn't. <laughs> so, you know. uh, we have the Motorhead lineup with uh, Brian Robertson from Thin Lizzy, and you would think Brian Robertson, Thin Lizzy from the classic lineup would be cool in Motorhead. No, Brian Robertson was teasing his hair up and wearing gym shorts <laughs> and, and a headband. Yes. <laughs> And if you read, and he's in Motorhead, yeah. And you you watch, and he looks like an extra on the physical video of Olivia. Exactly. I was gonna say, Lemmy didn't get up on stage in that in his tank top and those little Daisy Dukes with the (laughs) that that photo gets shared around. He didn't get on stage like that. That's his off time. Yeah. Because oh no, let me let me completely destroy your idea of your your famous rock stars don't dress like that every single day. Whoa! (laughs) Holy shit! again just ties into what do you mean Clayton doesn't piss and shit on the floor and he doesn't completely destroy someone's house when he goes and stays there for the weekend I, <laughs> man I, you know I love it it's like oh you liked Gigi Allen so you will like this uh, 49th <laughs> generation group because they bleed and mm-hmm. they shit and all that you know <laughs> <laughs> no news alert I don't give a fuck <laughs> Well, in the process of not giving a fuck, I already see what you got pulled up here. I'm digging that. Uh, We're going to go ahead and dig into that Spotify playlist and find out what the fuck have we been listening to. What you listening to, son? I don't think you like it. Well, why not? I like this new generation of music. Where did you record this? I bought it at the mall. What that person on your tape has is a medical disorder. All right, well, first thing on my list, speaking of Motorhead, I was kind of going through and figuring out what our uh, favorite albums of the year would be, and through that, I knew this wouldn't make it in the list. It was released in 2015, but the last album Motorhead released, it's actually worth a damn. It's called Bad Magic, yep. and Cap wound up turning me on to it because I'm sure because you're a Motorhead fan, Jeff. Mm-hmm. You know their last few records, especially after a certain time period, all just kind of sounded the same. It was the same formula over I, and over. I don't think it, w- it was that they weren't good. It's just that, you know... Um, it was the ACDC mentality. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's cool to have a new... ACDC or a new Motorhead song, you know, but do you really need it? No, not really. Yeah. And, and, that, and that was the train of thought I had. There was, I could probably make an album out of like maybe the five or six they released that maybe a song kind of had a different groove to it or it was the radio hit and it was like, you know what? That's, that sounds like classic Motorhead. I dig it, you yeah. know. But here's, <laughs> you know, uh, approaching that subject matter, I would be wondering why, you know, like, why would anyone want to hear something new from us? You know, mm-hmm. thirty-five-year-old band, but we go through so we've had so many phases. Yeah, and I know people have their favorite lineups and their favorite uh, sound or attitude or look or whatever that we were supporting at a certain time. But you know, what do you tell um, Angus Young? What 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 do you tell Lemmy at the time? Oh, don't make songs anymore. Yeah. You, you don't do uh, that. That's what they do. Yeah. They're a band. Yep. Bad Magic is 
that the last one? That was the very last it was one. Like the yeah, the, it was the year he died. It was released like maybe months before he died. Yeah, too. that's the one that had uh, heroes, right? No, or, they or, released or, that posthumously with Lemmy. Or was it? Uh, did it have um, the, um, the actually sympathy the, for the sympathy devil for was the, the devil? Cover yes. Right, 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 yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. That album it it still sounds like traditional Motorhead. Let me see a second. It no, still had. Cover. Let me see the cover. It still see, had that, that cover looks very much like bastards. It does. It does. You know what I mean? That, that was also something another trap Motorhead fell into for a minute is a lot of their album covers all kind of started similar. looking the same <laughs> near the end. I mean, I'm sure that gets to a point where you just go, ah, whatever. Well, know. I mean, you guys are still coming up with cool out looking album covers. There's well, no man, excuse. You know, the EP we just put out, Dying Breed, mm-hmm. that artwork on the front of that is something I did 18 years ago. But it still looks so good. But, you know, I, I just... Happened, to, you know. I got you've seen it. I got boxes and boxes of shit. Yeah, I don't know what's in it. <laughs> one, one day I started going through it and I found that. I showed it to Russ. Russ says, Hey, man, we need to use that for something. Mm-hmm. Well, goddamn, I didn't know that a year later we'd be using it on basically everything we'd journey. <laughs> well, it's a damn good piece. So, so you got mm-hmm. album art for days now in that box that y'all can just pull out for y'all's next releases. There's man, there's tons of shit. And plus, you're still staying in practice because you make a lot of uh, Jimmy's ads for Repo. Yeah, I do all of Jimmy's. Yeah. So, Captain, that's what I've been listening to. What you've been listening to lately? Well, as I, I ask you while you're totally not ready, just engulfed kind in this of, conversation. No, I got it pulled up. Uh, when I went home for Thanksgiving, I've spent a lot of time with my good friend, uh, well, my best friend from back home, uh, Jordan Turnage, who okay. uh, listens to the show. So, shout out to you, Jordan. Uh, while we were hanging out, for some reason, we went down a Deep Purple rabbit hole as far as our conversation. Because <laughs> we grew up listening to classic era Deep Purple and stuff like that. And uh, he introduced me to the official Deep Purple Overseas live series. And uh, particularly among the David Coverdale, Glenn Hughes lineup, that was post-Smoke on the Water release and all that stuff right. too. And through going down that rabbit hole, I've been listening to this one particular show, Graz 1975, that features this lineup. So there's a lot of burn material, a lot of Stormbringer material. And they do a couple of you know, in Galan era stuff like right. Smoke on the Water, and that gets a little. I guess Clint Hughes gets a little ridiculous on that one towards the end because he goes like, yeah, <laughs> like doing Georgia on my mind of all things too at the end. So oh, wow, it's a fun listen. Where and despite all that, the band just rips it live. Like it's straight from uh, the truck recording and everything oh, too. Okay. There's no overdubs, and you can tell that it's warts and all live performances and everything too. So. Wow. That's what so, I so that's actually kind of cool. The seventies band releasing an untouched <laughs> music. No, Deep, album? Pur- Deep Purple put out a lot of live material, and I don't think they ever added anything. So, if there's any slop guitar wise or drum wise, it's there, and it's kind of cool. <laughs> well, as we pull from our typical bullshit, which will be on the Something Good for You playlist, which can be found in the show notes along with our social medias. Uh, Clayton, why don't you give us a little shock and tell us what you've been listening to this week? Well, yeah, for the last couple of days, I've been listening to a playlist I've made on Spotify. It's called um, Soul 70s. Oh, <laughs> right on. And let me see. It's got like, it's got almost 300 songs on it. Damn, dude. I do that all the time, too. <laughs> and right, right before I walked in here, I was listening to Just to Be Close to You by the Commodores. <laughs> Yeah, oh, there they go, right there. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that, that's that, like you said, that, that's that's the kind of stuff I listen to most of the time, even though 
the nerd in me will not allow me to say this without going there are some 60s and 80s uh-oh on here so it's not <laughs> true true 70s oh, 70s like see because you can sometimes uh, allow the 60s because it's like well that was already released it was part of the zeitgeist of the 70s that's included but you can't go you can't hop in that time machine sir but see i i, I got 80s um like temptations okay i got you so it's not so, like, so it still falls into that line yeah <laughs> it's not quite like uh the movie it or, wouldn't be like hey, i wouldn't have in vogue in this <laughs> but it's not like the cbgb's movie when the ramones are playing in it spirit in my house from the joy ramone album in the 90s right. <laughs> <laughs> not and that's cool because mom she really listens to that kind of stuff a lot mm -hmm. too so that that's never that was never struck me as odd that you would listen to that because she would turn on 80s hair metal and then the next breath turn on nick cave and then turn on you know the commodores or abba you mm -hmm. know so it's like I, I got tortured with a lot of that stuff early on and only a few of these am I kind of coming around to. Like, I could listen to your playlist in the background, but, like, heading to work, that wouldn't be what I'm clicking mm -hmm. to piss play. But, like, if it's at y'all's house, it's like, hell yeah. <laughs> Get down with some of this. I'm going to be grooving in the kitchen, having some fun. But it's like, okay, now I'm done. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Thank you. <laughs> I seem to follow that just because I play, I dick around with stuff like that on bass when I'm at home. Oh yeah, that that's his go-to. He's been loving some of that old '70s funk and kind of disco stuff because he'll just start finger uh, picking on bass and just learning those fun grooves. Well, I know you guys had a hell of a good time when we first moved into the house, mm -hmm. and y'all came over and was looking through my um funk and soul album covers but yes i remember I that, that. <laughs> they had the best album covers too that era of funk yeah, for then, sure they had then and uh 60s country record covers were some of the mm -hmm. best man some of them some of them were just actually visually just very well done and some of them you're looking at going oh my god they were like, they were like pieces of art yeah and it was a photograph but and then there's there were some of them though that were just so bad going how many times too. did someone see this and go yeah that's good <laughs> it's like because there's some elvis uh ep and single covers where they're like that was the best photo you had of the king <laughs> you know that that's the one you wanted elvis <laughs> I, don't, I don't think elvis had any input in, oh no in any of that none of those all. artists had input on that kind of stuff helen Actually, I'd like to, this will be a completely separate episode, but I'd like to dig in a little bit, learn a little bit more on the uh, Beatles Butcher Baby album cover mm -hmm. and, kind of yeah. and, see, and see how much input they had on nope. that. Because that's, because that's, that would be something so interesting because nope. that being the teeny bop band that, you know, all the kids loved, that seemed like such an odd thing for them to want to do. So I would actually like to do a little research and figure actually, out what was the, who was in charge of that. I know I'm doing the well actually thing. Well, but, actually, <laughs> but if you watch Watch the uh, Eight Days a Week documentary on the Beatles '60s run when they were actually touring. John Lennon wanted to put out that Butcher Babies album cover just because he was just taking the piss and he was just done with being a rock star, done with touring, done with being a celebrity. Because well, that sounds like John Lennon. Exactly. <laughs> he was saying, because, get, saying, get rid of all your um, he was uh, property and all your physical means while pulling up in a fucking limo. Yeah, seriously, okay. being the Beatles made John Lennon to the dickhead that he wound up becoming in the late 60s. Yeah, the only reason 70s. they were able to do those fucking protests is because he had all that Beatles money to actually do it. <laughs> But, but that's well, white fuck. There, there, there you go, and that trans translates and 
to today as well. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and on that note, Jeff, I want to say thank you so much for coming on because even though this is just a, as you see, a very DIY rinky dink thing, it really does mean a lot having you involved and in doing something like this with well, us. Well, I, I appreciate you guys asking me and uh, providing a little something good for us, giving us some good stories. This is a hell of an episode. Right, thank you. <laughs> hell yeah. And as always, you guys can reach us if you got something good to share us. Throw that hashtag on Instagram, throw it on Facebook, and throw it on Twitter. That is hashtag something good for ya. It's the name of the show. Just take out the spaces. It's not Y-O-U, it's Y-A. <laughs> I really don't get that, but anyway. And if you don't want to do that, you can always reach out to us through our Gmail account, somethinggoodforya at gmail.com. And damn it, if that's still not good enough for you, we've got the damn hotline, which is 513-463-SGFY, a.k.a. 513-463-7439. Call us up. Leave us a voicemail if you got something good to share with us, a question, comment, concern, or you just want to bitch at us. And remember, if you leave us a voicemail, we own that shit. We're going to put it on there if you're a jackass or if you're yep. really funny. So think twice before leaving that message. If you leave us a second one asking nice to remove it, we'll do so. But either way, we might still use it. <laughs> it's, it's our damn show Be and you did it. as much of a jackass as you want. <laughs> it's our show and you did it. So, <laughs> Well, again, this has been a fun episode. Uh, Captain Nunn, do you have any outro for us? Uh, this episode is dedicated to Jeff Barbecue Young. Excellent. See you guys. Another amazing production from the Cult of Dave Podcast Network. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it.